Hey, well, good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here. You guys ready for a good Sunday? Yeah, at all of our locations? Good. Because today is a very special Sunday. Today is a day where many people are finding their way back to God, finding their way back home. This is Baptism Sunday at all locations. Isn't that awesome? Ah, oh, man, I love it. And here's what you need to know. Not only is it Baptism Sunday at all locations, every one of our locations in every service has people that are getting baptized, that are planned to be baptized. Can we give it up for that? I love that. I love that. But not only do I love the fact that there are people who have planned to get baptized today, but here's what I know. I know that the Holy Spirit of God is gonna be using what we do over the next 30 minutes or so, and he's gonna be speaking to people's spiritual ears and spiritual eyes. He's gonna be speaking to people's hearts, and there are people that are gonna find their way back to God today. There are gonna be people that today came in today going, I, I just came because a friend invited me. I didn't have any plans to get baptized. I didn't bring any change of clothes. I didn't bring anything, to, I didn't bring a blow dryer for my hair. I didn't bring any of that stuff. Don't worry, by the way, we got you all covered. We got about four uh, hair dryers back there. A little Aquanet, you're gonna be good, okay? But what I'm telling you is that there are gonna be some people today who even though they walked in this place thinking this was just a normal Sunday, this is the day that Jesus is gonna to speak to you in a way that causes you to say, I wanna say yes to Jesus for now and for the rest of my life. And that to me is a very exciting thing. That to me has me kind of on the edge of my seat and has had me and a bunch of our staff praying for this moment and these moments upcoming. It's a very special Sunday. And so you might be one of those people at all of our locations. But not only is it a special Sunday because it's Baptism Sunday and because people are gonna be praying through and thinking through that, this is the Sunday where a few weeks ago, all of our high school students, we sent away hundreds, hundreds of high school students to camp. And they came back, many of them saying, yes, I wanna give my life to Christ. I wanna go public with my faith. I wanna get baptized. So I want you to think about this, because teenagers get a bad rap. Teenagers get, you know, the next generation. Oh, they're lazy. Oh, they're this. Oh, they're that, right? Oh, they're this, oh, they're that. But you know what? We've got teenagers in this place who are coming back and saying, I want to identify my life with Jesus Christ from now until the day I die. That is an exciting thing. And we are so excited that we've got high school students here today in this service and all of our services. Super excited that you guys are here. Now, I want to say something uh, or give you uh, kind of a concept. Uh, how many of you have heard the word rumspringa? before at all of our campuses. If you've heard, probably not too many people. A couple people have. Okay, rum spring up. I'd be interested, high school students, if, uh, if this is meaningful or interesting to you at all. Rum spring up is the word that comes from Amish communities. Now, these Amish communities where um, a teenager, usually around 16 years of age, is given the, the choice, the freedom to go out and leave the Amish community, kind of go out into the world and basically uh, experiment with some of the things of this world. Rumspringa literally means running around, right? So it's these high school students who are going, you know what, I'm gonna leave the safety, the, the, the conservatism of my community, I'm gonna run around out in the world and I'm gonna experiment with a few things. And the idea is that some of you, some of you 16 year olds are like, I just converted to Amish. I am Amish now, right? No, here's the deal. 
Then they come back from their rumspringer, and they have a choice to make. Will they give up all the things of the world and be baptized into that Amish community, into Christ, into that Amish community, or will they give up that community and leave forever and go into the world for good? Now, as I look around today, I see you know, probably very few of us, maybe none of us, I don't know, are Amish. I, I don't know, maybe. Some of you Jedediahs, uh, you know, snuck in. I don't know. Some of you people, I don't know, maybe some of you are Amish. But here's what I know. Just because we're probably not Amish probably doesn't mean that we haven't engaged in a bit of a rumspringa ourselves from time to time. Now, we might have called it something different. We might have called it first year of college springa, right? We might have called it bachelorette party springa. We might have called it. Uh, we might have called it Friday night springa. We might have called it midlife crisis resulting in buying a Harley Davidson without telling my wife springa. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. These moments where we kind of run around, where we kind of ignore maybe what the conventional wisdom is, maybe what we even know is not the smartest thing to do, and we're out kind of running around experimenting with some things. In fact, some of you. Some of you are here today, you might be in the middle of your rumspringa. You might be right now sort of, you know, experimenting a little here or there. And maybe that's part of the reason that you're here. Maybe you've kind of been experimenting over here and experimenting over there, and now you kind of come to church and say, you know, I kind of experiment with God a little bit. And if that's you, it really, because again, I think most of us have experienced some form or fashion of this concept, I think you can relate to the story that we've been looking at in this series. This Finding Your Way Back to God series is based on a story that Jesus told, and, and many times it's, it's referred to as the prodigal son or, or the lost son, maybe you're familiar with it. It's this idea that Jesus told a story about a wealthy father who has two sons, and the younger son wanted a rum springer. He came to his father, he said, man, I just, I'm searching for something more, something's just not right, I, just, I want something more than just this little life that we've got, and he basically asks for his inheritance now. It's basically like looking at your father back in that culture and saying, you know, your money's more important to me than you are, or our relationship, I'd rather just leave and take off. Can you imagine how hurtful that would be to the father? It's a relational issue that happened right there. It's a, it's a break. But that son then goes and he takes that inheritance and he goes to a, a far way off and, and he basically parties and he lives his life his own way and eventually he finds himself a long way home and a long way from home and he's sort of worn out by the consequences of his actions and he longs to go back home. And we're just kind of focusing in this series on different parts of the story. Today I want to zoom in on a couple of verses. You can read them along with me. It says, when he came to his senses, this boy, he said, you know, how many of my father's hired servants, like the people that worked for my dad, have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I'm gonna sit out and I'm gonna go back to my father and I'm gonna say to him, Father, I realize I've sinned against heaven, I've sinned against God, and I've sinned against you by what I've done. Now, there's two pieces 
to this little part of the story. It's a part of the story where the son who's, been, who's spent everything, he's, he, he's spent all of the, the inheritance, and now he can't find anything to eat. In fact, he's eating from pig's food. He's eating pig's food. He's stealing food from pigs, which for a Jewish boy, that's incredibly humbling because they didn't deal with pigs. That was unclean. And then the fact that you've got to take pig slop, and that's what you're eating, this is incredibly degrading, and he's starving, and he's like, I I got I to gotta go back to my father. So two pieces of the story. He came to his senses. And then the second piece, so I'm going to set out and go back to my father. That sense that back with dad is a better place to be. Now, last week, if, if you were here, you know, Faith King did an incredible job. Talked to us about this sort of awakening that happened in the first part of the story, which is an awakening to longing. This idea that there's purpose that God has given to us and, and, and that we're living our life that, that for most of us, we, we, we at some point kind of wake up to there's got to be more to life. Uh, Blaise Pascal, the philosopher, he talked about a God-shaped hole in our hearts. And that many of us will try to, to fulfill our hearts or fill our hearts up or make our hearts whole by stuffing things into that. It could be relationships. It could be success. It could be knowledge. It could be all of those things. But the problem is none of those are God-shaped. And they don't fit and they don't satisfy. And so Blaze would talk about, no, we're, we're only going to be satisfied until that God-shaped hole is filled with God himself. But he wasn't the first person to talk about it. Augustine talked about it hundreds of years before Blaise. Augustine was a guy, if you go back and look at his story, St. Augustine, before he was a saint, he went out on his own little rumspringer. He went out having all kinds of relationships with women. He went out and, and, and imbibed a lot of substances. He tried success in the Greek, you know, the philosophers. He tried all kinds of things. And one of the things he said famously, is my soul will not rest until it rests in thee, O God. Maybe you've experienced that. That idea that there's just something like my soul is stirring. And some of you, I'm not even talking about, I'm talking to some of you very successful people. I'm talking about the people who you grew up going, you know what, I'm following the American dream and you've been following it and doggone it, you're doing a great job at it. And you got a great job, and you might have a great family, and you might have all these things going for you, but there's still just something that is, it is stirring within, within you. So Blaise talked about it, and years before him, St. Augustine talked about it, but way before St. Augustine talked about it, there was a man named Jesus who said, what does it profit a man to gain the entire world but lose his soul? talking about that same concept, that same concept that everything in this world, stuff it in there, it's just going to come up short. It, it always leaves you longing, and that's what we talked about last week was this idea that at some point in your story, you will wake up to, there's got to be more than what I'm experiencing right now. That's the first thing we see in the story. The second thing, and what we're looking at this week, is not an awakening to longing, but an awakening to regret. An awakening to regret this point 
in the story where you wake up after a set of bad decisions and maybe you've been dealing with it for a day, maybe you've been dealing with it for a week, maybe you've been dealing with it for a decade, but at some point you wake up and in your wake, in the wake of your bad decisions, you look back and you can sort of see the broken relationships. You can see the lack of peace. You can see the lack of confidence. You can see the missed opportunities and you go, you know what, I regret this. And maybe some of you can relate to that. Have you ever been there? You ever been in that moment when you sort of wake up to the consequences of your bad decisions? I'll go first. I'll go first. Um, I remember in high school, I remember coming home after what (laughs) I think in the moment and still to this day, I'd have been like, that was the wildest party that I had ever been to up to that point. Like, I mean, it was banging. Everything was happening at that party. There were hundreds of people there. I mean, and I walked around, and I was just like, I mean, I was shooting six shooters, folks. I was seeing everybody. I knew everybody. I was popular. I was like, hey, man, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? You want this? You want that? Yeah, it was great. Like, in that moment, you would have looked at me, and you thought, that guy's on top of the world. I remember coming home and taking my shoes off. I don't know why this hit me in this moment. Maybe it was God. But I remember taking my shoes off in that moment and getting ready for bed. I'm, st- I'm sitting on the edge of my bed and I remember this incredible feeling of loneliness comes across me, just sort of swept over me. And I thought to myself, how is it that somebody could have hundreds of friends and yet still feel lonely, like this lonely? And I just remember that was one of the moments where I just sort of woke up to I'm something, I'm doing something's wrong. Like I'm doing something wrong with this. And it was a, it was a regret. Um, I remember, I remember a time where uh, a family member pulled me aside and said, hey, your fitness is, uh, is not going well. And I thought, no, I'm way into fitness, like fitness pizza in my mouth, you know, like I'm into fitness. And they were like, I know, Dave, and every time we bring it up, you make a joke just like that. But it ain't no joke. It's not a joke. Because you want to be around with your kids. You want to be able to get down on the floor with your grandkids. You want to be able to have the energy to engage. Your fitness is a big deal. And I'm looking at my family member like, I thought you were supposed to love me unconditionally. And they were like, we are. And it's a big deal, so get on it. I remember that. And I woke up, and I thought, oh, man, yeah. I remember last year, oh my goodness, I could go on, folks. Oh, you're gonna wanna leave this church after today. This is my confession time. It's cheaper than a therapist for me. So anyway, (laughs) I remember last year, two staff people, it'd been a challenging season, to say the least. Two staff people, I had these challenges, I had this stress, it started popping out in meetings that I was in. I had a temper and it would pop out sometimes. And I remember two staff people uh, that worked for me, and they said, hey, can we meet you for dinner? And I said, yeah. Well, they had me for dinner, okay? They sat me down, and they said, hey, this is not working. We see this. You're, you're blowing up at people. What do we need to do? We love you enough that we want to talk to you about this, and we want to help you change. And I just remember going, Wow. And you know what? I could not be more grateful for that moment and how it helped me change and grow in my leadership. 
And so please be praying for those guys as they look for new jobs. Um, I'm just kidding, I'm kidding, I'm just kidding. No, I love those guys. But, but have you had those moments yet? I hope you have. I pray that you have. That moment where you wake up and go, you know, the way I've been running, like this is not working. There's like a trail of wreckage behind me. Proverbs 14, 12 says this, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end leads to death. Now, one of the things that's interesting about the job that I have is that I have been with multiple people on their deathbed, on their deathbed. And I will tell you this, there's nobody on their deathbed who is going, hey, 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 whatever you do, just please keep the boat waxed. There's nobody on their deathbed that is like, hey, just make sure that that corner office, that you keep my nameplate on that. There's nobody that's thinking about any of that. There are people, on your deathbed, you're thinking of two things. One, your relationship with God and your relationship with the people that are close to you. That's what you're thinking about. That is all you're thinking about, I'll tell you that. And if that's what you're gonna be thinking about then, then ought that to be the thing you're thinking about now? Yes, it should. You ought to be sitting right where you are, looking right at my face, and you ought to be thinking about how's my relationship with God and how my relationship with other people. And what I wanna do is make sure that when you get to that moment on your deathbed, that you have as few regrets as possible, that you can look back in your life and go, you know what? I wasn't perfect, but I don't have a thousand regrets. I'm not sitting here on my deathbed going, I hope it's okay with God, and I hope the people speak nicely at my funeral. I want you to have as few regrets as possible. So what I wanna do for the rest of my little time today is I wanna do, I wanna do whatever we can to wake us up it, 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 to the regret. I want us to wake up because for so many of us, we go for a long period of time before we wake up. So I'm gonna give you some of the things that I think stand in the way to you waking up to these things. The one is pride. Can we just be honest about that? The one is pride. That's one of the things that keeps us from waking up. Now, I'm not talking about confidence. Confidence is a good thing. I love confidence. Confidence is the little boy out in the backyard. He's got his bat. He's got his ball. He's like, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. He throws the ball up and he swings and he misses. And he's like, oh. And he picks up the ball again and he throws it up. Greatest, greatest hitter in the world. And he goes and he misses again. He gets a little frustrated. He grabs that ball. He gets like this. And he throws it up and he swings and he misses again. He throws that bat down and throws his arms up in the air and he says, I'm the greatest pitcher in the world. <laughs> That's confidence. We like that. We like confidence. I'm talking about pride. Proverbs 18, 12 says, arrogant people are on the way to ruin because they won't admit it when they need help. I don't need help. I can quit anytime I want to. That could be substances. That could be credit card debt. That could be an affair. That could be so many things. Temper. I don't need help. I can quit anytime I want to. I'm not going to a counselor. My spouse and I, we, we're smart people. We should be able to figure this out on our own. You know what? I know what God says about sexuality or money or the importance of forgiving other people, but I think in this situation, I know better. Can you imagine how that must sound 
to the God of the universe. When we know what he says in his word and we're looking up at him and going, I know, but you know, I know you're the creator of everything and I know that like you've been watching human behavior for thousands of years and I know that you see everything perfectly at all times, but here's the thing, I really think I know better. Do you ever think God just laughs? What must that sound like to God? The captain called to the signalman, the light signal. He said, I see a signal light through the fog. Signal that ship that you're on a collision course. Advise you alter course 20 degrees. Back came the answering signal. Advisable that you change course 20 degrees. The captain was surprised. He said, send another message. I am a senior captain. Change course 20 degrees. Uh, <laughs> came back. I'm a seaman, second class, but change your course at once. The officer, the captain, is furious. He proudly spats out, we are a battleship. Change your course 20 degrees. It came back. We are a lighthouse. <laughs> if the person next to you is not laughing, can you explain it to him real quick? <laughs> I'm preaching here, and I'm preaching like here. I'm preaching here. You're responding like 60%, okay? That's what I'm saying. That's a good illustration right there, <laughs> right? Change your course like you think you know better. Here's the deal. Some of you are being discipled by Hollywood. Some of you are being discipled by Fox News and CNN. Some of you are getting your idea about what's true by those things so that when you hear phrases like, hey, follow your heart, you just gotta follow your heart. You think Jesus said that? Young people, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that your heart is deceitful above all things. Your feelings, you can't trust them. Don't follow your heart. Follow Jesus, right? Somebody say, okay. Somebody say, you gotta live your truth. You gotta live your truth, right? Don't you need to live your truth? No, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He's the truth. Don't live your truth. There's only one truth. There's only one truth. You might have heard it said, look, look out for number one. That seems reasonable in this world. You ought to look out for number one. Ain't nobody else looking out for you. Look out for number one. But Jesus said, no, deny yourself and pick up your cross sacrifice, and you follow me. That's what Jesus would say. It's just a different way of looking at things. You, you, you might hear, you have heard it said, you know what, you need to find yourself. You just need to find yourself. Jesus would say, no, um, those, that lose, those who are trying to find themselves will lose themselves, but those who lose themselves for my sake will find true life. That's what Jesus said. And it's just a completely different thing. It's not about you. And so we pray, dear God, help us not to be blinded by our pride. See our sin and how serious it is. Help us to see our sin and how serious it is and how we need your forgiveness and healing in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Now, some, sometimes it's our pride that keeps us from waking up to what's really going on in our lives. Sometimes it's our peers. It's our peers. 
We're, we're hanging out with people. We're surrounded by people who are just as asleep as we are, and therefore we look at what's going on and we think it is normal. Some of you parents, and we got high schoolers in here, we got high schoolers in our services, and I'm gonna say this, and you've probably heard this from your parents, but here's this. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. The quality of your friends determines the quality of your future. And some of you are like, oh, I'm so tired of hearing that. And here's the deal. When you grow up, you're gonna have a teenager, you're gonna say that to your teenager, and this is the moment that you're gonna remember. You're gonna be like, he's right, I did, I turned right around, because once, you ha- once you're a parent, you can just see it. You can just see how true that is. And it works negatively, but it also works positively. Like, who do you want to be? What do you want to be? I ran a marathon. I shouldn't say that. I completed a marathon. There's a difference. There is a difference. I did not run. But here's why. Here's why that happened. Because Sean Williams came into my life. Right? Like, I met Sean Williams. He just runs all over the place like the Energizer Buzzy. He just never stops. And he said, you got to do this. And he tricked me, but he got me to complete a marathon. And that's because I surround myself with the right kind of people. Now here's the thing, Uh, uh, Tim Stevens. Tim Stevens, love Tim Stevens, he's on my team. He came to me, he's like, hey, pickleball, you gotta play pickleball. Here's the thing about people that play pickleball. They think everybody should know it, okay? I don't know why, but they think everybody ought to know that they play pickleball. And so anyway, he tells me you gotta play pickleball. And I'm looking at him going, I played I played like high school sports. I played club sports in college. I, if I'm gonna play, I'm gonna play tennis. I'm gonna play like a real, pickleball is for like when you're 85 years old, like 140 or whatever. I'm not playing pickleball. And he said, David, just come out, just play one time. Just play one time. I go out and, he get, and I'm walking up to the court. And by the way, pickleball is just basically loud tennis. It's all it is, it's just really loud. But anyway, I got there and he handed me the paddle and we played pickleball. And I play, <laughs> y'all, I love pickleball. It is so fun. We, I've been playing pickleball with my kids. I've been playing pickleball with anybody who will play pickleball with me. I basically, like, when I played pickleball, the heavens opened up and a pickleball racket came down. I knelt down and asked pickleball into my heart. Like, it was just amazing. I love pickleball. And you know why? It's because I, I was around people that love pickleball. Okay, I, bel- I belabor the point, but here's the thing. Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. And it's just true. I'm gonna read it again. Walk with the wise and you'll become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. So dear God, if the people around me are keeping me from waking up, give me the eyes to see that truth. And then God, help me not only to see it, but give me the courage to chase after you and not the people in my life. Help me to chase after you as my priority and your best for my life. Dear God, we pray, amen. You know, sometimes it's pride, sometimes it's peer, sometimes it's just a lack of pain. You say, what are you talking about? A lack of pain in your life will keep you from waking up to what's going on. Here's why. Um, Can we just be honest? Sin is really fun. Now, I know I'm not supposed to say that as a pastor in church, but if I'm gonna be real, here's the deal. Donuts taste really good. 
right? They just do. And even when I know I'm not supposed to, ah, I eat them, and they're really fun. They're really good. They taste really good. And you know what? So is flirting on Facebook with someone who's not your spouse. It's fun. It's exciting. There's something, you get something out of that. If you didn't, you wouldn't do it. And so you do that. You know what? Giving your credit card when you're absolutely, like you've assessed the situation, you can't afford another nothing, and yet you're out there getting mocha frappa, chappuccinos and whatever at $5 a pop, and you're just sliding that credit card every time you turn around. Oh, look at that new outfit. Boom, I'm going to credit card that sucker. No, no, you know? You know why you do that? Because it's really good. It's really fun to have a new outfit. Right? Like, sin is really fun in the short term. But eventually, like after those donuts, I can't button my pants anymore. Eventually, when you're you know, flirting on Facebook, your spouse finds out, eventually. Eventually, the credit card bill comes due. Like, sin is really fun, but sin will take you farther than you wanna go, keep you longer than you wanna stay, and cost you way more than you wanna pay. Trust me, it will happen. It just may not have happened to you yet, therefore you're not waking up to what's coming down the pike. James 1.15 says it this way, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and then sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. And something dies. Freedom dies, joy dies, a relationship dies, something dies, peace of mind dies, something dies. And so maybe it's pride, maybe it's the peers that we have in our life, maybe it's our lack of pain because it just hasn't happened yet. But for some of us, the fourth thing I would say to you is this, for some of us we stay asleep in our bad decisions because of a lack of perspective. Because there are some of you that are listening to my voice right now and you're saying, here's the deal. God couldn't forgive me. And that's a lack of perspective. Or you're, you're saying to yourself, you know what? Here's the thing. God can't really make a difference in my life. Where's the hope gonna come? God gonna come and just write the check for my rent? God's gonna come and just fix the marriage? God's gonna come and just give me freedom from my addiction? God's gonna come and do those things? Listen, there is hope when you have Jesus in your life. There just is. And so I would tell you, yes. Like, if that's you, if you're saying to yourself, I mean, what, what could I ever do? How's God ever gonna make a difference in my life? I would say, yes, that's what the gospel is all about that the gospel, that there is good news, that there is hope, that no matter what you're dealing with, God looks down and says, I can help with that. I can make a difference in that world. First John 1, 9 says, if, if we confess our sins, he is faithful to us, the creator of the universe, faithful to you. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and then cleanse us from everything that's not right 
about us. That is incredible good news. You know, the guy in our story, this kid in our story, I'm just going to spoil the rest of the story for you, even though I'm speaking next week. Anyway, um, the kid realizes what happens and he decides, I'm going to come home. And you know what? That kid could have easily been walking home and thinking, oh my goodness, dad is going to shame me. Dad's going to have the big finger out here like this going, how dare you? And you disappoint me so much because that's how we think of God. A lot of times we look at God and we're like, oh God, you're never going to accept me. Oh God, there's what difference could you make in our life? But do you know when that kid is still a long way off, Jesus told the story that the father saw him, was scanning the horizon and saw him and got up and ran to meet his son and threw his arms around his son and said, my son is home. Put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet and let's kill a fattened calf and let's have a party because my son was lost and now he's found. And you have a God that loves you so much that as you are sitting right where you are, God sits on the edge of his throne and he's scanning and he's looking for you and he's watching and he's listening to your thoughts and he's hoping that you will say, yes, God, yes, Jesus, I wanna come home to you today. Today is the day of salvation for you. And I pray that right now I'm gonna say a prayer and when I say this prayer that you'll pray it along with me and that you will say yes to Jesus and that at all of our campuses that you will come forward right after I'm done, the CPs will come, your campus pastors will come and we will see baptisms happen today. Praise God. Will you pray with me? Pray with me. Oh, dear God, we love you so much. And Father, we get so limited in our perspective, we think that things can't ever really change. God, things have been the same for so long. We're in so many ruts. We feel like we've dug a hole so deep. But Lord, that's why you sent your one and only son, Jesus, into the world to live a perfect life, to die on the cross, to take upon himself the punishment and the consequences that our sin deserves. And then because he was both fully man and fully God and he rose from the dead, oh, he conquered sin. He conquered the consequence of sin. He conquered death. And he invites each and every one of us to say yes to him, that our sins can be forgiven, that we can live with you forever. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that as people are listening to my voice, that those who have already said yes to Jesus, that they would, that they would join me praying for those that are sitting next to them at all of our campuses. Lord, that people's lives, that their literal eternities would be changed today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.